Well, we are back at it this week and I cannot say that I feel a hundred percent better and back to normal, but I will take a good solid 82 and a half percent. That's where I'm, that's where I'm floating. I've been floating there for the last three, four days. And I'm just really hoping that by this weekend, I turn a complete corner and I am just cured, cured from within. So hope springs eternal on that front. But anyway, we are back. Another week has gone by. Another episode of the Kenny and Co show is here for you, which I'm not even sure what this podcast has turned into. I think it's turning into a show review podcast, but I am still happy to be here. I did want to mention something. I think I forgot to mention it in last week's episode, but we are still running a giveaway. So if you rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, take a screenshot of it, tag me in it, I will enter you in the giveaway to give away some really good shit. The best in clean heroes set from beauty counter is like the best of the best, all the best seller products, all in travel sizes. You get to try it all, see what you like, find what you don't like, I guess, but you'll probably love it all. But that is running through the end of December. So all the entries, you'll go into a little compilation thing, you know, whatever. And I'll put it in a wheel and I'll spin the wheel and we'll get a winner out. This week's episode is very timely for when I'm recording it. So by the time that you listen to this, you may, it probably is like old news, but I'm still going with it because I need to discuss this. I need to talk this through with someone because I am still asking questions days later. Now it's Wednesday. We all watched the White Lotus season finale on Sunday, and we are still stirring with confusion. There are just so many unanswered questions, so many comments and concerns, so many things going on in our brains that we need to all come together and dissect. So maybe by the time that you listen to this, you'll have had a week and a half to let it marinate that maybe we will form some kind of conclusion. Now, I do not know if for sure there is a season three. I will say I am in team season two all the way. Hawaii was great. It was fun. It was interesting. The characters were dynamic and great, but I don't know if it's me being partial to Sicily. I don't know if it's because of the locale I loved so much or the love of the language, the, I don't know what it was, but I was infatuated, just banged my hand, infatuated with this show. So if you have not watched the season finale of White Lotus, the second season, which you don't have to watch the first season in order to get the second season. I think I told you that on a couple episodes ago, but if you have not watched it yet, and you want to watch it and not know what's going on, but if you probably have heard every single spoiler and, or you've been living under a rock. So I'm giving you three seconds now to tune this out. Um, but like play it all the way to the end so that I get, you know, the listen, the full listen in the analytics, you know, thank you. Um, so you can turn it off and then come back to it once you've watched it and maybe it'll make more sense. But if you have watched the white Lotus finale, just tighten up your earbuds a little, because I feel like we need to go into this. Um, I, think it's being dissected from every which way. I feel like everybody's talking about it and I didn't want to listen to anyone's comments on it other than my girlfriends that I just talked with like briefly about it because I need to like work this through on my own. I feel like White Lotus was a show that like either it was cinematic genius and writing genius or we have just fell into the biggest trap. And the show writers just wrote the most ridiculous storyline and plots and just threw shit against the wall and hoped it stick, sticked, stuck, <laughs> hoped it stuck. And we like ate it up like wildebeests. 
I don't know if we'll to be eat things up, but you know what I mean? Like we just were all about it. I, I do. I don't know. I think it's a combination. I think it's a combination of them sit, sitting around in a room and being like, you know how, you know how Tanya's going to, you know, how we're going to write her off the show. And then everybody's like, nah, that would never work. And they're like, oh yeah, let's just, just watch, just watch. And then like, it didn't work, but it worked because it got us all talking. So I'm not really certain whether it's like an intellectually genius show or they were just like high as a kite one day and wrote the most ridiculous storyline and plot and characters. I can't be sure one way or the other. However, I enjoyed it. I loved it. Again, I think, I think I'm partial to like the Sicilian backdrop of it that I loved so much. So, I mean, that very much can be causing bias or clouding judgment, if you will. But before we really get into it, we have to, have to start at the end. We have to start at the end because it was the most ridiculous. The only other ending that I probably hated as much as this was the ending to The Sopranos. Like nothing incited more questions than The Sopranos ending and then White Lotus. I can't think of another show that ended so abruptly and chaotically and frenetically and just pure chaos the last five minutes of the show other than Sopranos leaving us on like the most major cliffhanger. So Tanya, (laughs) my feelings on Tanya's untimely death and just the most ridiculous way of going out too, nonetheless, but, you know, expected kind of. I just, my thing with that was I was angry for a moment because I was like, you know what? They made this character so fucking dumb. I mean, there were moments throughout the entire show where you were just like, really? Really? Come on. Just like, get it together. There's no way that you would be this aloof and this idiotic at your age with that kind of money and still have it, still have it to have people come after you for it. But anyway, they just made it so ridiculous that the way she had to die had to be equally ridiculous. I think, I think that's why they did it that way. Because in reality, she would have never known how to start that boat. I mean, clearly Tanya couldn't even fucking take her shoes off to get over the side of the boat or recognize that there were stairs on either end that she could have used to get into the dinghy. I mean, that was like a really nice dinghy too, but you know what I mean? She couldn't find the stairs. You think she was going to be able to hotwire the boat? I'm sure the key wasn't in it. I'm sure whatever his name, Giancarlo, had him in his pocket or in the bag with the gun. Was his name Giancarlo? Why am I like second guessing myself now? But you know what I mean? Like there was no way, even if she got on the boat, that she was going to be able to get herself safely ashore. So I think with keeping that in mind, the only way for her to go out was over (laughs) and with her shoes still on. But this is the part that completely contradicts her inability to get herself safely overboard is the fact that she stole the bag. She got up from the table very chalantly, I might add. Like she's like a bull in a china shop. So she gets up from the table, somehow finagles this bag away from them, locks herself in a bedroom, finds the gun in the bag, and then proceeds to have precision accuracy with her eyes closed to murder three people. I'm not even going to go into how unrealistic that is and the accuracy that that required. (laughs) But for it to come from her, and they wanted to paint a picture of you know, accuracy in terms of being realistic to the character's nature. 
I find that it would be more believable that she could have got herself safely overboard more so than that she could have killed people with a gun that she's probably never used before with precision accuracy. So that was where I was like, wait a minute, you're going to tell me that she didn't miss. She didn't miss to flee to safety. And then she basically then lost her life to lack of hand-eye coordination. So it, I mean, that didn't really make any sense, but all that to say, she had to go. She had to go. There was no way she would have survived the Italian police coming at her for a triple, quadruple homicide. No way. She wouldn't have survived that. So I, she had to go out on her own terms. So I totally get it. Again, I don't know why she didn't take her shoes off. I don't know why she didn't take the stairs. I think we were all screaming at the TV for that. I think that's what they wanted us to do, right? I do think that's what they wanted us to do. But anyway, now that she's out of the way, all the other, the gays trying to kill her, I mean, she just one by one took them all out. So they were my favorite ancillary character, just them as the collective. Individually, they were great, but them as the collective was amazing. I mean, I think Tanya was on a trip that we all wish that we would be taken on, on a yacht somewhere, just have somebody wine and dine you just because you're fabulous. I think if I can sign up for that sans the murder part, I would be down for that in a heartbeat. They were amazing. Also, the one guy's from Emily in Paris. So I love that for him. But we'll just like work back ashore. So then Portia... We're going from like the the beginning to the end. So, okay. Portia, Portia, Portia. There were so many, so many things here with Portia that just, she just got all wrong. And I guess you could tell that from the beginning because she came to Sicily just an aggravation. (laughs) She was aggravated with herself. She was (laughs) aggravating to watch. She didn't pick Albie. Like we all knew that that was going to backfire. We all knew, you know, you're picking the wrong guy. You might be going out on the town with this with this English guy, but you know, he's also fucking his uncle. And that I'm pretty sure even in Sicily is not kosher. I don't think that that is an approved relationship. So she just like had absolutely no spidey senses, which again, then understands or makes you understand why she wound up wearing what she wore in the airport on the way The fact that Albie took her number after all that she did to him and how she showed up to the airport and is still so like wonky and weird. I, I don't know. Poor Albie. He's, we'll get to him because that poor kid just got hustled, but Portia, I just couldn't get down with her and just not being more assertive. I don't know. But again, she was a lost soul. She went to Sicily as a lost soul. She like didn't feel like she belonged anywhere. Her clothing didn't belong on her. Like it was like a whole thing. She really, she really was a vibe and she was her own vibe. So I guess shout out to the character development on her because she fit right into herself. But also it pissed me off when she didn't go with Albie. But anyway, we all get it. We've all been there. But Albie, poor Albie. So it's like, it's like he saw the foreshadowing of events. Like he said, nice guys finish last or something along those lines, like early on. And he he said that he gets like taken advantage of. And I loved how for a split second, a very brief, poetic, beautiful moment, you thought for one second that Lucia really liked Albie, (laughs) that she wasn't hustling him for 50,000 euro. There was a brief moment, right? Where we were all like, 
fell in love with a stripper. No, fell in love with a hooker. We thought it was happening. We thought, oh my God, he has made her a changed woman. He's going to take her to LA, get her a beautiful new life. But she didn't want that. She didn't want that. She just wanted the money and she was having a good time. I mean, this probably happens very frequently, I would have to imagine, in tourist cities around the globe. I mean, patrons just getting hustled left and right. It's got to be a thing. I mean, they, they don't make all of this shit up. So when Albie was <laughs> realizing the next morning that he just got completely taken and bamboozled, you fell for him. Felt, you felt, you didn't fall for him because you're not an idiot. You felt for him. Guys, <laughs> it's like 9.15. I don't know why I'm recording this so late, but I just feel like it needed time to marinate in my brain a little bit longer. So thank you for your patience once again, as per usual. The fact that anybody listens to this and comes with me as I string along these like completely irrelevant thoughts and somehow try to make them cohesive is uh, deserving of a Nobel Peace Prize because sometimes I can't even do it. And if this is any insight into my brain and where we go on a daily basis, it is exhausting and chaotic 24-7. But anyway, then Albie's family... His grandfather, absolutely adorable, creepy, pervy, but adorable. I loved Chris Imperiali in it. Talk about Sopranos. Hello. Um, and I love their little pilgrimage to the old country. I talked about this in a couple episodes ago, but I have wanted to do that forever. So again, I can't say that I'm not biased to like liking this Sicilian soap opera that we have been watching because I feel very connected to it. But anyway, I loved their little dynamic. I loved how it was like a generational thing. And Albie was trying to break the generational cycle of just how they treat the women they love, how they use women for whatever else they need. It was endearing, you know? It was like one was trying to give advice to the other, but the other one was no better. Um, so I appreciated Albie's, Albie's like pivot from that. However, I think he, you know, what people tend to do is overcorrect. And then, you know, you got to find somewhere in the middle of like, okay, well, let's not get taken for all we're worth. And, you know, let's maybe not sleep with everybody that we see. So somewhere in the middle. So I appreciated that little dynamic because I think it also was good. I loved how they had the grandfather not really aware of like how his behavior was. I thought it was really helpful. There were so many different dynamics in the show. And that's why I think it was so great and very intellectual. Or again, it was just chaotic and they just threw shit and hoped somebody liked some character. But I did like how like the grandfather was completely oblivious kind of to how his behavior was and what he did and how he, you know, influenced his son and, you know, all that stuff. So I thought that that was an interesting conversation. And I thought it was very interesting for like two men to have that conversation because I feel like men don't typically have those father-son conversations like that, you know? So I thought that, that was very health healthy. And then Albie's like role in it was just between the two was adorable. And I also just couldn't stop laughing when Albie didn't realize that he was hooking up with a hooker and that his father had already hooked that hooker. And that was hysterical. So I just, the intertwining never stopped intertwining. Like just when you thought it wasn't going to get any more incestuous, it did. It was sick and twisted, but also incredibly entertaining. Um, and then how Lucia was also with Cam, that was like, oh, oh my God. And then Ethan, that whole thing, 
I loved, I love Theo James. He, oh my, I mean, we all love Theo James, but him in that role was like, so it feels like such a departure from like who he probably is in real life that it was awesome. And like, everyone knows someone like him in real life, you know, like, you know, that broy douchey finance guy that like just thinks he's so cool and all that stuff. So I think it was helpful that he was so relatable that you could name someone in your life that you're like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Got it. That's, that's who he is. And his character was not as layered as I think that they could have made it because I think, I think Daphne, Daphne had to be the star of that dynamic. And she was, I am obsessed with her character. I was talking to my girlfriends about this today and I still feel like this. I feel like usually women written into that role are usually very like dense. They don't bring a lot of spice. They don't bring much to the storyline. They don't really have well-written lines or character development or anything like that. Like, I just feel like they're more there for like ornamentally or they just like look pretty and cute and whatever. But she was so good. She was so good. I don't know anything technically about acting. I just know when I think it's good and I (laughs) I think it's good. There's like some theater major out there that's just like, uh, yeah, okay, no. But yeah, I really, really enjoyed Megan Faye, I think is, is her name. She did an awesome job. She fucking crushed that character. She made a character that could have been so overlooked be like the center of the hurricane. Because that's how I felt. She just was always so calm. There was chaos happening all around her, but she was just always calm, cool, and collected. And, you know, there's probably a lot of issues there that I'm sure a psychologist can unfold with all of that. But I just loved how she just influenced so much of the other characters without her having to do much of anything. It was kind of fucking brilliant. It was awesome. I mean, she did it to Harper. She did it to Ethan. She did it to Cam. And it was just so interesting to watch. And also, I feel like that dynamic and storyline is never really talked about on TV at all or in characters or anything like that. It was like that perfect example of like women. Have you ever watched my big fat Greek wedding? I like say this all the time. Women are the neck, men are the head. The neck turns the head. She was like the perfect example of that. I loved her so much. And then Aubrey Plaza, who was Harper, In the beginning, I hated her character. I think we all did. She was just like so uptight and so stuck up and just like a wet blanket. And then as the show went on, I think we all like came to love her, which I think is, again, a really well-written character. And I don't know if I believe that they got together. I don't know if they, I mean, I think they hooked up. I don't, I think she's lying about the fact that they didn't have sex, but I think that they did again. Did they didn't? It was fake. Kendall, it's fucking fake. Who gives a shit? But I care because if there's going to be a season three, I want to know. But what I will say is I 100% think that Daphne and Ethan ran away to that little island and did whatever they did because he came back a changed man. And I just feel like that was a changed man experience that they had. (laughs) So I'm for certain on that front, not so sure on the Cameron Harper front, but maybe it did. And also, what kind of freaky deaky friends do you got where you're just swapping spouses like that? I mean, it definitely happens. Definitely happens. 
probably some of you listening are into that shit, but that was just a very interesting dynamic. And again, very creative and very well done because it had so many different characters that I think everybody could relate to like a little bit of each of them, which is wild because four different characters, like how do you, you know, find something about each of them that you really resonate with? But I think they made it work. I think they did it and they did a really, really good job of that. And then, you know, there's Valentina and all the, you know, hotel kind of ancillary characters, like the peripheral characters, I guess you call them, that had equally interesting storylines. I mean, Valentina and Mia's storyline was cute, I think. I think it was cute. I think it was helpful. I think it, like, added something to the show. I don't think it was completely irrelevant. I also think Mia, tell me if I'm wrong. I know I'm not wrong. But did she not remind you of Matilda? Like, 1,000%. They had the exact same smile. I don't know where in the world Matilda is right now as an adult if she still looks like that when she smiles. Or maybe this girl was Matilda. And we did not know that she was Sicilian this entire time. But she looked like Matilda. And I know I'm not wrong. So go look it up. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Anyway, I thought that that was interesting. And so upon further review, as I've discussed this now for 20 minutes, I have realized that the show is incredibly intentional. And everything means something. And I probably need to rewatch it again. And also, I would like to hear from the writers on like what the meaning for everything was. Like, I, I, you know, I'd like to wonder for maybe another week or so. And then I want them to come out and like confirm with concrete evidence, like what each thing meant. And if I was wrong or right before we go into season three, if there is a season three. And if there is a season three, I would hope that some of these characters are still in it. You know who I don't want in season three? If there is a season three, fucking Greg. He doesn't get to come back. And I'm so pissed at him because at the end of the day, he still got the fucking money. He still got the money because he definitely was in on it. And there's that moment on the yacht when Tanya almost has three brain cells to rub together and put her context clues to work and say, this is funky because this looks exactly like my husband. And it was a fleeting, quick moment that never stuck because this bitch couldn't see a hammer if it hit her in the face. I don't even know if that's a saying, but you know what I mean. She's just dumb as a doornail. Doorknob? Doornail? It's definitely a doorknob. I don't even know what a doornail is. Anyway, I think those were my thoughts for White Lotus. I feel like I should have written it down. I feel like I might be forgetting something, but we can talk maybe more on stories if I actually ever decide to get back on my stories and actually have conversations. We can dissect it all in stories because when this comes out, it's a, <laughs> it'll be a week from now. So... We'll have probably some more thoughts. So if you have thoughts on this, please just DM me because I need to know where where we went wrong, you know? But the other thing that I watched that I feel like we need to discuss, and I'm not going to waste a lot of time on it because I don't think it deserves that much time. But I watched the first three episodes that were available for the Harry and Meghan thing. And I have thoughts. I do have like a few thoughts. I wouldn't say a lot of thoughts because I don't know. I don't know if I care enough about it. I liked, I liked the pomp and circumstance around the whole thing prior to like all the drama. I liked the idea. I watched the wedding. You know, I did the whole thing. It was exciting. The story, the romance, everything was super, I don't know, interesting, especially for Americans because we don't have that. And for our generation, you know, we didn't grow up when Diana did all of this. So I feel like for us, it was, we had Kate. 
Yeah, no, I guess we had Kate. So we weren't completely like oblivious to how this process worked. But anyway, anyway, this was fun and interesting because she was American, the whole thing. So I watched the Harry and Meghan thing and my thoughts in three words, awkward, aw, that's cute. And more Harry, please. I know that's not like the third word, but I think I wanted, I was more interested in Harry. I think I don't know enough about Harry. So I was like very interested in what his whole thing was. And I'm very, I'm very interested in the way he talks about his mother and that whole experience and his life story. And like, we always knew that Harry was more of the rambunctious one, but I don't know. I just was more interested in that. So these are my thoughts on Megan, which the one thing is they like, don't discuss. I'm pretty sure she was married before and they make like a statement in that she was newly single, but they didn't say she had gotten divorced before. And I don't know why they would need to not discuss that since she said multiple times, wouldn't you like to hear the story from us? Well, yes, of course. But then when you like, don't say what actually happened, it feels like you're omitting more. You know what I mean? Why don't you say I was divorced? I got married. I didn't like the guy. I got divorced. I was nearly single. I was traipsing around Europe, having the time of my life. I was on a hit show living in Toronto. Like why couldn't, I don't know. So I thought that that was weird why they didn't mention that again. Maybe what's the point of mentioning it? Would it take away? I don't know. Who knows? But what I realized is that Megan is like that Kristen Wiig character on SNL. (laughs) I forget what the name of the character is, but it's, it's the one where she would go to like a party and there would be a piano and she would say, oh, don't make me sing. Don't make me sing. No, I can't sing. Oh, I couldn't sing. Oh, I couldn't sing. And then breaks out into song. Like forever a performer, musical theater, thespian, always can find the camera. You know what I mean? She just is like a character of herself almost, if that makes any sense. And I'm not saying this in like a bad way at all. I just think she's just a forever performer, which is totally fine. And to be honest, you should be if that is your, you know, career of choice. So I feel like a lot of it was performing instead of being like relatable. It was almost like she was trying to make things to make it relatable, but it was more of like a performance of it, I think. It was very interesting though. I did love learning about where she grew up and kind of how she like came up, how her dad, because remember in like the press, like right around when she was getting married, they had all that stuff, that crazy stuff about her dad. And in my eyes, I was like, oh, like she must have like a wacko deadbeat dad. And no, he's a lighting director in Hollywood. (laughs) Her parents were divorced and she split time between her mom and her dad, which I resonated so much with that part of her story. So, so much. Um, my parents are divorced. I split time between my, my dad and my mom. I'm an only child. And so then when the whole thing, she started talking about how her dad was being cryptic and weird and (laughs) showing like stage photos for paparazzi, all that stuff. That was weird, but I'm glad that I learned kind of like what her dad was really like. Um, so that was interesting. And I liked how they painted her as this person that had a complete and full life prior to meeting Harry, because I do believe that that is true. She was on a hit show. She went to Northwestern. She's incredibly articulate and intelligent and smart and was doing philanthropic work well before she met Harry, I believe. I mean, according to this. 
And so I did like how they made it seem like, okay, she was a whole person before she kind of came into the royal family. I still don't know like where, why the UK media really hounded her. I mean, they came at it from, it was about race, about being an American, about her being, you know, wanting the spotlight, but then complaining about it kind of thing. And I don't really know how I feel about all of that. Like what is true out of that? I mean, Princess Diana died with paparazzi chasing her. So, I mean, they can be ruthless, I imagine. But I can't, I can't figure out like what they were trying to say was the reason or what would be like the counter argument to it. You know what I mean? Like on the royal side, what they were saying, you know, why they hounded her so much. Like, I don't know. That's where I get like very confused on the whole situation. And I mean, I can be confused because of the fuck am I? Nobody gives a shit <laughs> about my opinion on it. But I did think it was interesting in the sense like their love story is adorable. It would make for a great Hallmark movie. They probably have already made it. Actually, I think they did. <laughs> I think they did actually make a Hallmark movie out of it. Their love story is very sweet. I do believe that they are very much in love with each other. I do believe on the basis of Harry feeling threatened, like what they did to his mother was happening to his wife and that he had to get to safety and take his family out of the UK, I think is valid. I think all the things that they're talking about is valid, but I can't understand why people get so wrapped up in arms about this. I don't know why people care so much. Again, I'm not British. I have no skin in the game on this one. Um, and I don't think she's come outright and said anything derogatory towards the royal family or spread rumors other than it's what everybody kind of expects, that it's like a very formal, uptight situation that is mildly archaic and doesn't actually mean much anymore. Yeah, I, I like, again, I don't pay close enough attention to have like enough comments on this, but I do think it's worth a watch. But while you're also scrolling on Instagram. You know, it's not one that you need to devote all of your attention to. I watched it the other day when I still was feeling like complete shit and did not move from the couch. So I feel like if you have that kind of time, which again, some of you listening to this are super sick right now or <laughs> about to get sick again, because we're still in this, whatever the fuck this is, but I would watch it if you had spare time to kill. And then you can let me know what your thoughts are on it, because I just kind of feel like, <gasps> Why are, we, why are we caring enough that they have an entire Netflix special? But I also, I don't mean it in like a rolling my eyes like I'm so annoyed by them. That's not it either. It's just kind of this like wishy-washy indifference that I don't know how to feel or what to feel about them. It's definitely, I'll tell you one thing, it is not White Lotus. It has not gripped me as tightly as White Lotus has. So on that front alone, I'm disinterested. But they have a couple more episodes coming out. So, of course, I'll watch it. I've, you know, I'm invested now. So I'll finish it and see it through. Like that time I watched 1899 and killed nine hours of my life only to find out that it was completely not what I thought it was. I feel like that might be happening with the Harry and Meghan thing. But TBD on that front and I will let you know. But on that note, those are my reviews for you that you didn't ask for that I gave you anyway. So drop me some notes on what you thought White Lotus was about. Drop me your notes on Harry and Meghan. We'll reconvene next week on maybe a different topic that doesn't involve binge-watching shows. But in the meantime, make sure that you rate, subscribe, like, leave a review, take a screenshot, and I will enter you in to win some clean beauty goodies. 
all of my favorites. The drawing will be at the end of the month. This is the Kenny and Co. show for another week of God knows what we talked about. Until I get you next week, be blessed and stay well. Love you.